What is up? Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess, and um, I really hope these levels sound okay because my cat is asleep on top of my Zoom recorder. So um, if it sounds like not great, I'm going to do my best to fix it in post. Fix it in post. That's the motto. Um, Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, sharing a beer with me. Although, you know, I, I do like to start the show saying what talking about what beer I'm drinking while I'm doing my editing and uh, recording this intro. But um, unfortunately, I had a little bit too much to drink last night. So if I try any alcohol right now, I will have bad heartburn. So um, we are sticking to a lime Perrier today. But hopefully you have a great beer that you're going to drink with us. And uh, if not, I would definitely recommend getting something farmhousey, maybe uh, re-fermented with some fruit, some sort of wild saison, maybe even Belgian, because we are talking Jester King this week. Yes, Jester King again. We recorded at the Masonry. The Masonry always has so many bottles of Jester King. It's very hard to say no to. But first, let's talk about my guest for this episode. I am joined by another badass lady from the Seattle beer scene, Libby Borchert, who's worked for Ecliptic and Dogfish Head and a lot more. We're going to get into it. So like I said, we're doing Jester King, but we aren't just hitting your normal 750 that you might expect from Jester King. Oh, no. When we had our selection, we saw that there was a magnum of the super ultra mega hyperforce chuck clocking in at a whopping 3.8%. Otherwise, I think that this podcast would have gone in a completely different direction if we were drinking um, a more moderate to strong strength beer. But what was really fun about this is this was like the first time that me and Libby had ever really hung out um, was during this episode. And I always knew her from just always being out and about and at beer events. Um, So I thought I'd bring her onto the show. And I'm very glad I did. Uh, Libby also started Drunk Herstory here in Seattle, which I'm so sad we didn't actually talk about because it's a super fun event put on at Browers, um, where a bunch of beer ladies get together and put on a super funny show about women in history, all while raising money for Planned Parenthood. So it's just the dopest and she's super cool. So I'm excited for you guys uh, to hear our conversation. So um, in this episode, we are talking about pineapple and jalapeno pizza disrupting the three-tier system and encouraging women to be active in their local beer scenes. So strap in friends, get that farmhouse, get that adjuster king, get what you need. Um, Also shout out to the masonry for hosting us in the meatball lounge. Thanks for being dope as always and letting us do our thing. All right. So I'm going to stop now and we're going to get to drinking. And by tomorrow I will be back at my normal uh, pH balanced esophagus self. So um, if you're ever interested in seeing what I'm drinking throughout the week and uh, beers that I post about that I think are really great, uh, follow me at just just beer. All right, let's get to it. Cheers. Because there might be a big one. Who knows? <laughs> a big nest. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. I'm um, Okay, so uh, today I'm joined by Libby, who's, an, I think, a new beer friend. I mean, we've seen each other at, at like, a lot of events and yeah. here and there, but this is kind of like the first time we've really hung out. Totally. So this is fun. Long time coming. Seriously. Beer gals. Yeah. We stick together. And we truly do. And it was you who hit me up, too, and you're yeah. like, we see each other all the time. Like, we need to actually hang out. And then I was like, dude, you would be such a good person to be on the podcast because I'm sure you... Thank you. Yeah, I think sweet. you've worked at a ton of different places yeah. and I'm sure you've got a lot of fun insight on um, 
beer just in general so i think they'll be good i mean we'll see we'll see about that (laughs) um so what we have chosen today we so we're at the masonry which i've recorded at before we are again in the meatball there's like a hair (laughs) um back in the meatball lounge because it's the perfect place to record and um so we took a look at the list and uh Masonry always has a lot of Jester King. I think it's kind of fun to get a bottle to share. So we decided to go with the Jester King, and um, our friend working behind the bar, Jesse, pulled out a magnum (laughs) of a Jester King. And it was just, like, too fun to pass up, so that's what we're going to go with today. We're going big. Yes. um, It's the uh, Super Ultra Mega Hyperforce. Um, so it kind of seems like they went into the dictionary just to look for like every synonym for a lot, yes. <laughs> uh, which makes sense because it's a magnum. I don't know if this was bottled in any other form, but um, I think they. I mean, sometimes with these bigger beers that they. I mean, it might just be the name, but I feel like they're like that's definitely a magnum beer. Yes, like in a in a you know, seven fifty or something it just wouldn't do justice. Yeah, and the label is super Pretty wild, fun. like very. It almost feels like a '90s, um, <laughs> like cartoonish, like lots of colors, lots of things happening, lots of movement. Uh, looks kind of space, spacey. Yeah, space out of alien-y. this world. Yes, for exactly. Sure. Out of this world is a perfect way to put it. Um, and so it is a farmhouse. I mean, that's basically what Jester King does. Um, and it's brewed with ginger salt, tarragon, and then refermented on cantaloupe, which we were just saying. Melon's an extremely hard fruit to work with in brewing because it has such a high water content that it, it just like it's hard to extract those delicate melon flavors. So I'm really excited to see how this turned out because I feel like a shit ton of cantaloupe had to have been used. You need a shit ton. <laughs> There's been many beers done in the past that have had cantaloupe in it, and it's semi disappointing just because. I, I bet, yeah. But we'll see. Should we pour some? Yes, let's pour it out. Oh my gosh, I just need, I need two hands. <laughs> All right. What's the ABV on this bad boy? 3.8, nice. which I think is part of the reason why we were cool with doing a magnum yeah. for the two of us. <laughs> we can do it. We're hardy. All right, so off the bat, it's got a very lovely fluffy head, nice golden color, slight haze. Looks just like a uh, Saison I would expect to come from Jester King. Mm-hmm. I love that just, you know, green bottle skunk. It's kind of nostalgic <laughs> for me. I know yeah. it's not everyone's jam, but, like, I mean, growing up in the Midwest, my mom drank St. Pauli Girl. And so the green bottle was always, like, in our fridge. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of nostalgic, but Yeah, no, know. that is a real um, aroma coming off here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's skunky as hell, for sure. It's good, though. Probably cheers. Oh, cheers. Mm-hmm. To girls... Women? Yeah. Women. <laughs> In beer. Yes, absolutely. New friends. New it's friends. all good. Thanks for meeting today. Appreciate yes, it. Yes, thanks for coming. I don't get a lot of the cantaloupe. <laughs> yeah, I mean surprising. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that would be a note I would um grab right immediately, but there is a decent amount of fruitiness to yeah. it. And still like a melon aspect. Um I wouldn't say it's like scooping up a cantaloupe, but Yeah. I yeah, I if, if I was trying to pinpoint what exactly type of fruitiness I'm getting, I would, summer fruit maybe? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, melons associated with summer. It's kind of juicy. I'm surprised. I mean, like, it finishes dry, but it's mm-hmm. not, like, 
grassy or hay or right. overwhelmingly farmhousey. And I do get some of the ginger mm. slightly, which is really nice actually. The ginger salt, I don't ginger really salt, know. Ginger salt, I do. I am getting a little saltiness yeah. from it. It's interesting, a little earthy from the ginger. Mm-hmm. But not like ginger spice necessarily, but right. there's some warmth there. This I almost is, sniffed my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I've absolutely done I'm that doing. before. <laughs> like I've tried to sit my microphone yeah. before. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> Your hands don't know what you're doing. Nah. Okay, I'm kind of into this. I like it. It's super chill, delightful, complex but simple. I think Gesture King does a really great, great job with all their beers. Agreed. Kind of um, doing that. And the, the ABV, I mean, I love low ABV beers. We Me were too. debating getting a couple 2% <laughs> beers and bottles. And that's always fun because I feel like I can drink a whole bottle myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think I was, I was saying, too, that I don't think I've had a beer that's been under 3% before or if if it's been around that ABV, it's usually um, like a Berliner Weiss or something. Right. But to have like a Saison with that that yeah. low yeah. of an ABV is kind of funny, but cool. I love it. Yeah. It's just like a working beer. Breakfast uh, yes, beer, exactly. lunch, whatever. Yes, you got shit to beer. do, drink a 2% beer. Yes. It's still tasty. <laughs> I am into it. Yeah. Let's see if this has any info on the side here. Oh, God. I need to bring this closer to me. I really am digging this label, though. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I, I'll um, post a picture uh, when this goes up um, on the Instagram. But all right. Look to the skies. It's an alien, a child wonder, uh, a flying bearded cantaloupe. Why? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a that's philanthropist playboy slosh Rockwell. Oh, my God. There's already so much happening in this yeah. description. <laughs> um yeah, this is just kind of like a wacky description that's really fun. Uh, space team delivers a payload of cosmic crystals into the gaping orifice. <laughs> orifice. Uh, yeah, th- I mean, there's not um, much happening in the descriptions in terms of saying what this beer is supposed to be, but it's a fun time, and I think that's the point of this. Like, if you're getting a Magnum, you're doing this to share with people, and you're Absolutely. you're doing it to have a good time. So this is, it looked like it was released in October uh, 2018. And yeah, like we said, Jester King's in Austin. Um, I think most people know that. And it's like their true kind of farmhouse brewery with their huge farm that's out there. So I wonder if they grew these cantaloupes. Do melons grow in, do <laughs> melons grow in the South? So. I mean, I, I have no idea. <laughs> All either. I know is Lone Star. <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Texas every time. Oh, here we go. Here's some more info. Uh, we added ginger salt tarragon and sriracha. Oh, sriracha! <laughs> I was like sriracha. Uh, hops to the boil, fermented in stainless steel with our mixed culture, their house culture, and re-fermented with cantaloupe. So it doesn't say where cantaloupe comes from. Who knows if it's from the area? Um, any interesting sriracha? I uh, that's a really hard hop to work with, but it works in here. I'm not like picking it out necessarily, but right. in terms, of, it can have kind of a savory flavor, and I think it works for this style. I don't know if I could actually pick that out of a beer. What what would you say that's that hop is like? Sriracha's for me is um, like dill pickle. Yum. And it can't <laughs> be it. good. Like, um, I I was just talking about this um, with a friend, and I was like, yeah, I feel like I can fuck with sriracha's if like I'm eating a sandwich. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, but you shouldn't have to decide the beer you're gonna drink on based on the fact that you're having a sandwich. <laughs> I, was I like, mean, well. or you could. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, good sandwich beer. I mean, this actually seems like a good beer to eat with as well. Totally. So yeah, into it. Yeah. Um, 
Great. Well, I'm I'm not that I would think that a bad beer would come from Jester King, but I'm glad this is one that we're enjoying because you never know sometimes, especially with like bottle right. fermentation mm-hmm. or like weird ingredients. Like being a year old. Yeah. You. I mean, it's it's aged really well. It definitely. Um. Cool. Well, I think we should get into a little bit of uh, your beer history. Oh, God. So you <laughs> said that you're uh, from Minneapolis. That's where you grew up. Yes. Did yeah. you, what's your beer experience being from the Midwest? Like, yeah. Or maybe even like the first beer you ever had mm-hmm. while you were out there? Totally. I mean, I worked at this really awesome craft beer bar in Minneapolis called Stub and Herbs. And they have um, like 20 something rotating taps of craft beer a lot of it's from minnesota some are not um and that's kind of where i i found my love for craft beer and the community i mean beer reps brewers uh brewery owners would pop in all the time and um you know surly had a huge presence there summit um indeed lift bridge i mean you name it a lot of the classics um and so that's where I kind of found my love for beer. But was there like one in particular? I like to call it the gateway beer, yeah. kind of like the beer that opened up your eyes in terms of uh, like how good beer could be, or mm-hmm. like oh shit, I need to try more of this, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like my first craft beer was actually a Deschutes. Yeah. Um, they're pretty big in the Midwest. <laughs> that's funny. Surprisingly, and I think it was the Black Butte Porter, which is hilarious because I went on to work for John Harris from. Uh, Ecliptic Brewing, you know, a few years later and did sales for them. So it was a it was a cool connection. That's but really cool. Yeah. Most people don't get to have like a beer that kind of opens up your eyes to the industry and then like totally. go to work for that person. I know. It was pretty wild. I mean, it's a huge reason why I wanted to work for Ecliptic so much. And we can get into that later. But um, yeah, uh, I've never had a porter or anything that was not like a, you know, a bush light or something from college, <laughs> something natty right, ice, you know what right. I mean? So um, I drank uh, water beer for a long time in my youth and yeah. then um, didn't know that beer could taste like anything else. So right. um, that was a cool experience. And then Summit EPA was kind of my go-to. It's an extra pale ale, cool. but it was just, that reminds me of home all the time. And Surly definitely became kind of my you know, variety go-to of what's next from Surly. Or, yeah. Um, it's interesting going home now. I've lived in Seattle for five years, but now there's a shit ton of breweries. Um, Modest Brewing is only a couple of years old. They're really awesome. And um, Bauhaus was just starting up back when I was leaving. And I don't know. There's a ton more breweries in the area now, which is really cool to see. I love that. Um, so then what brought you out to Portland? So I actually never went to Portland, but Ecliptic is in Portland, of course, but um, I did sales for them in Washington. So I covered kind of Washington and Northern Idaho. Okay. So Um, then what brought you out to Washington? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, my family, my mom, dad, and my sister actually moved out here a year before I did. And I graduated college and wanted a change of pace. So worked on a farm, uh, Moon Valley Organics for like five or six months and we did um everything fixed fences took care of pigs and sheep yeah. butchered pigs and sheep now i'm a vegetarian <laughs> um and you know grew vegetables and 
discovered herbs and kept bees and it was amazing experience um i kind of wanted to get that um after college just for a future when i'm old and want to live on a small hobby farm and take it easy um but then i moved to seattle worked at fremont brewing for about a year were you just um, bartending there? Yeah, just just slanging beers, drinking beers, <laughs> making new friends. You know, yeah. I was new here. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. Um, definitely expanded my beer knowledge. We did a lot of sensory classes. For and sure. Met a lot of people in the industry. But I knew I wanted to get into sales. Um, honestly, applied for like 80 jobs in the industry. It'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. It definitely was intense because... Um, I mean, with someone that doesn't have any experience in sales or doesn't really know a lot of the community, especially in sales or like the inner workings of a brewery, it's hard to get in. But yeah, once dude, you're in, you're is. in. Right. So I I definitely always try to um, look out for people and women in general in the beer industry and try to get them jobs because that's cool. once you're in, you're in and it, yeah. it's a cool community, but it's definitely a hurdle. Right. Well, and especially when it's a pretty big uh, beer city like Seattle is, mm-hmm. you know, I like there's there's more opportunity in the fact that there's so many breweries, but at the same time, it can be really tough. Like it took me a while to work in a actual brewery. Like right. I had to like work at a beer bar and like yeah. start as a hostess, you know, oh, and like really fucking shit. work my way until I was behind the bar and really getting exposure. Then it was kind of like okay, now we'll take you seriously, which I get. And I respect having to work from the bottom sure. up, but it's, it did take a little while, you yeah. know, there, there's definitely a need in the community to kind of reach out to people that have a passion and desire to learn and, and have that, the passion for beer first yeah. and foremost, you, anyone can be taught anything. Um, and that's what I'm really grateful for. Um, Erin Gray Kemplin, she's the sales manager at Ecliptic. Um, she has an awesome beer history too. She worked for Columbia Distributing and Stone and um, she knows more about beer than probably anyone I know and she just judged at GABF this year which is really Damn, cool. Yeah. Um, but so Ecliptic Brewing, John Harris, he was the original brewer at Deschutes many many moons ago and came up with recipes like Black Butte Porter and Obsidian Stout. Um, Jubal Ale and Mirpon, so some big hitters, and then started um, Ecliptic, which is awesome. And you know, I kind of I I interviewed for the job. Um, Aaron is definitely one to hire people that have that spark, not necessarily experience. Sure. And yeah. I'm literally forever grateful for her for giving me a shot because I kicked ass. Yes. And had a great time, and I you know they're still like family to me. Good. Um, they they're great and i'm just grateful for that opportunity i think more people deserve that in the beer biz um so worked for ecliptic for two years and then i went to dogfish head for um the last couple years were you doing sales there too yeah yeah i covered washington for dogfish head which was was really cool was there a big difference did you feel in terms of working for a brewery that's based on the west coast versus the east coast or like the culture between yeah. the two breweries was there like a big 100%. difference 100 yeah <laughs> it was so different yeah i mean ecliptic super small we had yeah. when i first started we had a sales team of four women and that included marketing and social media like Damn. it was just tiny yeah. you know and we just everything you did kind of affected each other it was a hustle and i was super passionate about it like i loved it 
Um, I really felt like whatever I did mattered. Um, working for a bigger brewery, you still get a sense of that, especially when you go out to the brewery. Like we'd go out to the East Coast every like maybe twice in the year, and mm-hmm. anytime I went there, I felt hyped. Yeah, you, you get that you know intimate like we're a small team running you know yeah the united states right um but yeah once i got back to washington you're kind of on an island you know and you're rocking it but it's also a hyper competitive local market um yeah. so it was, it was challenging but i i said to myself when i took the job you know i wanted to learn more about the business side of things and i want to advance my career and see what i could do Right. And if I couldn't sell an East Coast brewery on the West Coast, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, that's admirable uh, to be able to want to take up a challenge like that for sure. Yeah, um, I think. And, you know, I'm not in sales, so I don't know how it is. But I feel like there's got to be some level of interest in terms of like if you are running a bar that has uh, that's like totally saturated with only Seattle breweries to get. Uh, East Coast brewery in or like a Southern brewery in or something, it does add a little bit more variety, even though a lot of people are constantly being like, what's local is local. And that's yeah. great. I 100% support that. But at the same time, I find myself not drinking a lot of beers that are outside of like Washington and Oregon because sure. of that. Yeah. Well, there's there's different factors. I think people are super focused on freshness. I mean, this is a very educated market too. Washing- yes. Washingtonians. <laughs> um, they, you know, you, you go to a grocery store and someone's picking up a six pack and looking at the can date. Right. You don't see that everywhere. Yeah. Minnesota? No. Yeah. Someone will be drinking like a year old IPA <laughs> from wherever, yeah. you know, from the West Coast yeah. or something. Um, not to push down my Minneapolis fam mm-hmm. at all. Y'all know your shit, but yeah. sometimes, you know, get out to the boonies and who knows. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's we live in especially in Seattle. I mean, there's a new brewery popping up all the time. There's some closing now. It's kind of a wild world. Um, Yeah. It's kind of like a wild time in the industry in general, because mm -hmm. I think we're kind of to the point where the bubble is kind of bursting a little bit. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see like who's going to survive and like how breweries are going to change and what they're going to do to adapt to um, still be successful. And I think you see that a lot with breweries. I feel like a lot of people say um, the portfolio diversifying breweries, <laughs> the people who are like pumping out a lot of hazies mm-hmm. or like a lot of like just shit like that have a, a lot of adjuncts in it just to be right. like crazy, knowing that people are going to buy it just to try it. And well, you keep up with the hype. Yes. That's what people buy. They want something new Mm -hmm. they want a new ipa every fucking week it's insane it's pretty wild and then there's like some breweries out there who are like doing it and doing it well and then you're kind of like well fuck how do i compete with that well (laughs) (laughs) yeah no totally um yeah it's kind of making me think um since we're drinking jester king right now um how fair isle is opening up in Mm -hmm. uh ballard and I, I don't know exactly what their connection is with Jester King. I don't know if it's one of the dudes who started it, who now is opening his own spot, but that's kind of like another thing. Like, yeah, you're seeing some places not succeed and then you're getting people from other areas specifically coming into Seattle to start something else. So 
I think that says a lot for Seattle as a beer city. But it's kind of interesting to see like other people coming in and seeing how they're going to do. What are they going to do that's different? How are mm-hmm. they going to win over the hearts of people in a city that can be very protective about things? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll see with that. But that'll be interesting to check out when it's I see open. them kind of being like another floodland. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're filling that empty spot of wild fermentation, um, saison, like using, you know, gr- freshly grown local yeah. ingredients and, right. you know, just kind of getting a little bit more artsy, getting a little bit more natural, mm-hmm. um, which Seattle has a little bit of, but compared to some other areas of the country, you know, it's definitely something we could use more of. I totally I, mean, I love that shit. Me so too. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see what they end up doing. Um, okay. So then you were at Dogfish Head for how long before you uh, transitioned out of that? Almost two years. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And so um, when when they got consumed by Boston Beer Company, um, you know, I, I think that Dogfish Head's going to do super well. I think that they're going to come up with some crazy shit and be successful. I really do. I, I see why Sam and Mariah did it. And I think that it'll be great for Boston Beer Company's portfolio. I mean, their beer is the one thing that's down. Yep. I mean, they're <laughs> Truly's crushing it. <laughs> it's so crazy. I love Truly. Like, <laughs> I drink it on, I, I own a sailboat with some friends, um, five women, it's a little co-op boat, it's cute. Uh-huh. And we're crushing Truly's that is so all funny. summer long. Yeah, variety, balance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just talking about the, um, that, absorption of yeah. dogfish head and you know a lot of people immediately were just like sellouts why would you make yeah. this decision blah 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 and um but what me and my um, other occasional co-host shauna were talking about uh were like well it makes sense in the fact that it's kind of like a good way to actually combat big beer yeah because like so yeah they they you know merged with another company but they weren't mm-hmm. bought out by AB InBev they weren't no. bought out by Miller Coors and instead are kind of forming a larger bigger stronger company that can actually provide diverse uh, different beers in the market that is trying so hard to work against like the big guys that actually you know give the illusion of choice right. when you're not choosing mm-hmm. like these can be the people that can make it into the little corner stores or your neighborhood bars, you know, totally. because of the power of distribution when you get bigger like that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, Boston Beer Company is still independent craft mm-hmm. beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of this in the future. I think so, too. I mean, you see the OGs like Dogfish Head, um, New Belgium, Sierra Nevada. I mean, they are everywhere. Um, but where where does it stop? You know, yeah. like you're seeing red and there's only yeah. so much you can do when there's a new brewery down the street that's coming out with a new IPA every day. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you're going to go drink. Um, I mean, not to say that, any, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is going anywhere because that beer's bomb. And it it's is. A, it's still it's good. Classic, you <laughs> yeah. know, um, but we're going to see more of that just from a business standpoint there. It's hard to survive this day and age in beer. And you yeah. can only come up with so many fucking hazies yep. or, you know, different kinds of sequench ale. Yeah, or right. low-cal, low-carb beer. Um, it's time to get innovative. And I think Dogfish Head did a really good job. I mean, they're the original 
you know, innovative brewery, yeah, I would say. I totally. mean, experimental, trying to keep up with the times, doing whatever they could to be themselves, but also be appealing. Yeah. And that's going to really enhance uh, Boston Beer Company's portfolio. I, I think so, too. And I was just I just recorded an episode um, where we did a, a lineup of pumpkin beers. So we got into the, the discussion, <laughs> which is a lot but um, yeah. <laughs> you know like Dogfish Head they were like one of the OG they were like the first people that put out a pumpkin beer in like the mid 90s yeah. you know like yeah. before anything before like the pumpkin spice latte situation sure. you know and um, they were kind of the first people that were like let's let's try to make an insanely bitter IPA that people were all hot hipped about um, in like the early 2000s mid 2000s you mm-hmm. know so the the track record's there for what they do, right? So I think that, and I I do think that Sequench was kind of like a really accessible, sour, sour sour-ish beer uh, that kind of helped people transition and be like, oh, wait, I don't like beer, but this is something I could like, you know? So yeah, I do think that it, like they've already been trailblazers in that sense. I think that if they still have their team like solidly put together, that they're going to continue to do things like that. Totally. So, I mean, they're going to do great. I, I know that um, they're merging the, you know, employees, if you will, to kind of do a, a wide range of portfolios, mm-hmm. which will be super exciting. Yeah. I mean, Dogfish Head people can, you know, branch out their knowledge of now hard seltzers and and lots more. And I mean, Boston Beer Company has like the best sales training in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm talking up so much and I'm like, I left, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I just, at the end of the day, I think it's great. Um, more power to everyone in that scenario. I just, mm-hmm. it didn't align with me and my personal goals in my totally. career, but yeah. um, it would have been great if I would have stayed. Um, I, I, you know, was looking for something a little bit different and kind of still in the beer industry, but a little bit out of it as well. I've been a, a brewery representative for, you know, for almost five years and the the promos, the events, like coming up with new shit to get people to Dude, it's a come. lot. Yeah, it w- it's too much. Even <laughs> just like even just hustling at a, a festival, even if you're just like pouring off the jockey box or whatever, it's like totally. a lot of energy. Like I could never because it, like the amount of like on 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 you have to be with people all the time totally. is like a lot. Yeah. So I get it. I mean you're seeing you know, 12 to 15 accounts a day Ooh, hustling yeah, uh-uh. and then maybe an event on the weekend or maybe yeah. like a tap takeover at night and you got to fight for those tap takeovers Dude, and it's not even a tap takeover. It's like three <laughs> fucking beers. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not a tap takeover. Damn it. <laughs> Buy more beer. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, and there's, there's a million reps in your area. It's pretty competitive. You're seeing the same people at the same bars if they're doing their damn job. Yep. Some of them just, you know, stay home and work on their computers or you're out in the field making it happen. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I I got the opportunity um, to work at Tavor, which is like an app-based retailer. Um, we basically work directly with independent craft breweries all over the country um, we're kind of like an eclectic bottle shop online and you can, you know, we send out offers to people, um, through our app of, from some like insane, awesome 
breweries all over that are hyped up, super popular, um, have great beer, great ratings on Untapped and Beer Advocate. So it's definitely sought after brews. Um, and we uh, deliver it to people's doorstep. So it's pretty sweet when it comes down to it. But do you, um, is it like in terms of uh, receiving the beer, is it like monthly subscription in a box or can you like pick and choose what you want? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we do both actually. Cool. So um, we have subscriptions where people are like, I like Pilsners, send me the light and crispy. Let's do this. Yeah. That would totally be me. <laughs> I fucking love Pilsners. Um, or people that, you know, we do a couple offers a day and our writers do a really beautiful job of, you know, describing the beer kind of like we were like, here's Jester King, here's our... Uh, super ultra mega hyper force <laughs> all about it yeah abv quantities price here you go do you want it get it um you push a button and it's in your crate and then once your crate's full there's different amounts okay, you ship cool. it directly to your door it's super convenient um also can be a little naughty if you're a beer nerd like me and spend way too much money doing that i mean yeah. it's so accessible Y- yeah. Just press a button. It comes to my door. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So like that. And then also um, kind of what I was saying before, the fact that I, uh, a lot of the beer I drink, uh, not only in terms of like seeking out local beers, but just what distribution is, um, you know, I, I'm only drinking beers on the West Coast for the most part. Sure. So I think it's a good opportunity to get to try uh, other craft beers from around the country that don't have a super big distribution company or whatever that mm-hmm. aren't going to make it all the way out here. So it's kind of like a cool way to get things that you wouldn't normally get. Totally. A lot of these breweries we work with are self-distributed or have a yes. really small footprint. Yeah. So it really is the eclectic breweries that, you know, you you go to a, a craft beer fest and they're the ones with the longest line right you know yeah. that uh, beer you can't get and then yeah. you know we live in washington we can't get beer from north carolina right. what are you gonna do well tavor might have a connection with that brewery and work directly and yeah. you might be able to get that beer it's pretty sweet that is tight yeah i like that it's definitely fucking with the the three-tier system and <laughs> i'm bet. all about kind of breaking down any system you know <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that's interesting because like the, I haven't really seen anything like that before, especially when you're so used to just being like, the brewery produces this. So you get it in the brew pub or you get it based on how the distributor gets it. You know, right. it can be pretty strict um, and limiting in that sense. Yeah, so. we're, we're lucky to live in the state of Washington. That's kind of how Tavor was built. Um, Costco in like 2000, I don't know, eight. I don't know if that's accurate. Don't, <laughs> you know, count on me for that. Um, but they wanted to work directly with producers out of state and it wasn't legal. So they went to court with their big bucks and won. And that's Damn, literally, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's how we can literally, um, work directly with craft breweries all over. It's that's pretty cool. sweet. And, and, uh, this is like, Tavor is like from Seattle. Yes. Right? We are Seattle based. So we have a downtown office off third and Stewart. Oh, damn. Um, and then we have our warehouse in Tukwila. So all the beer comes to Tukwila, mm-hmm. and then we ship it out once people build their crates. But we take care of the beer super well. Yeah. Um, it's Nothing's really sitting on the shelf. I mean, people have four weeks to close a crate. So yeah. anyone cranking IPAs, like, it's guaranteed not to be a month old. After, you know, it's in their hands, that's up to you. But right. it's not it's not like sitting on a shelf at a bottle shop right. chilling. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. No, that that is important, especially when you're talking about uh, Seattle as a really informed 
uh, consumer, <laughs> you know, like yeah, our consumer totally. base is really informed. So I think that is important to people and like a really good selling point for you guys. Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. So you've kind of, you've done <laughs> quite a few things. It's been around. a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been beer though. Yes. You know, and I think that's, that's why I, I was like, Jess, we need to fucking hang out yeah. dude, because we have the same passion and right. I see you all the time and I'm, I'm sure we just will love each other. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's always been beer and the coolest thing that this delicious beverage has brought to my life and I'm sure you can relate to is total family, yes. community, Yep. Um, sitting down, having a beer together, shooting the shit, yeah. talking about how delicious it is, complex, whatever, but then today... We're hanging out. We're spending time together. We're talking about love, life, and setbacks <laughs> and and just having a good time. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's kind of like almost what all these conversations come back to is like, this is the reason why we're all in this industry. Right. And the reason why, or like not even in the industry, you can just be a beer lover. Mm-hmm. And there's that community aspect is a really big part of it. Totally. For sure. It's not like ostracizing. It's like sometimes other beverages can be that way and yeah. it really does feel like it brings people together. Um, and then kind of, I was just thinking like, you know, like why is it that beer? Like, okay, so yes, it brings us together as a community. Yes. It brings us to be, uh, people together, but you know, flavor wise too. And I was saying this before we started recording, um, being from wine country in mm-hmm. uh, California, you know, I, I love wine and I drink it all the time and Hell yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, especially like weird natural wines. But, uh, so I find myself a lot of times, like if I'm drinking a wine, I'm like, it's one harder for me to pick out tasting notes because it's so delicate, which is great. But sometimes I'm kind of like, Oh, I just want something to jump out at me. Like I get really inspired by a beer because as soon as I smell something, I can either like immediately make a memory association or I can be like, Oh, this is exactly what it smells like to me. Whereas with wine, a lot of times I'm like searching and digging and digging. It's a little (laughs) bit harder for me. And maybe I just need to drink more wine to get better at doing that. But I find myself when I'm drinking wine, I'm like, this is great, but I wish there was a little bit more of this. I wish there was a little bit more body. I wish there was a little bit less tannins and more bitterness. And then like when I, when my next drink in the evening is a beer, I'm like, this is what I yeah. wanted, you know, not that the wine wasn't great. It always is. Sure. But Definitely different. It is different. There's just like uh, something a little bit more. And I think, I mean, I know it's because there's so many more ingredients in beer than there is wine. Right. So there's just like more complexities in that sense, but yeah, I don't know. There's like, so yeah, it brings people together. It like, there's a really like warm and fuzzy feeling about beer. And that was like the whole reason why I became fascinated with it in the first place is when I would go to events around Seattle before I worked in the industry. And I would be like, everyone's just having such a good time. Yeah. Like I wanted, <laughs> like, I want my job to be having a good time. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of how I feel about it. And I think a lot of people relate to that as well. Yeah, and you're totally going to a great fam at Aslan. I mean, Ruben's is amazing, obviously, and and will always be your family, but Aslan's going to be a super cool adventure for you, too. Uh, Yeah, I'm stoked on it. It's going to, they're a really good group of people, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. Um, Okay, so this next segment I have is uh, called Drunchies. Oh, shit. I didn't even know there's another segment. (laughs) 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 Woof. Um, and drunchies are drunk munchies. Oh God. So, um, I love it. This is where you get to share, um, you know, the secret indulgences you get to have once you've been drinking and you know, you've been out, maybe you need to hit somewhere 
you know, a restaurant or your corner store or something, whatever is at home, what's kind of your go-to? Man alive. It, it's not too embarrassing, but kind of, I guess. <laughs> but I fucking love Domino's. Dude, like, I feel like that's a pretty legit drunchy. Is this a common answer? Because, like, they've really picked up the recipe over the past five <laughs> years. Like, they've done a lot of yeah, good. No, they I'm definitely impressed. have. Um, I think it's, like... I think part of the thing that makes Domino's such a good drenchy is the convenience because it's like yeah. they have the app and all that shit. So it's just so easy Dude. to be like done, like on my phone. I don't even need to talk to anyone. Domino's literally texts me more than anyone I know. <laughs> like I'll get a text message be like, oh, it's my best friend Domino's. Just let me know I can get five bucks off my medium classic pineapple jalapeno pizza which is the best pizza that has ever been created. Um, Hands that down. sounds actually incredible. I've oh, never had that. What? Yes. Dude, it's it's the best. Because pineapple I, jalapeno. Because people are very divided on pineapple on pizza and I'm a fan of it. As you should be. Anyone that hates on it, it's weird that you hate on anything that's like pizza related number 1. <laughs> Just in the first Number place. 2, like why do you got to hate on pineapple? Like what the fuck did pineapple ever do to anybody? Like I think it's not even the jalapenos here. Like <laughs> no, they're always not. like yeah. cool if you're like a spice person. Yes. But people fucking hate pineapple and it's like a passionate hate. Yes. And I'm just like what happened to you? Like <laughs> What trauma did you go <laughs> to hate pineapple on pizza? It's weird. It's true, it but I love this idea of pineapple and jalapeno because it's like sweetness and spicy. It's perfection. It really is. This is I'm obsessed. This is changing <laughs> my world views. And it sucks because I, I don't eat dairy. It makes me very sick. But Touché. I love pizza and I have had so many different non-dairy cheeses that I experiment mm-hmm. with with pizza. So I am still pizza is still like my number one. So yeah. This do you just make happen. your own pizza a lot? For the or? most part. Okay, cool. I mean, I um, if I'm buying something from the grocery store, I'll mm-hmm. do Daya because it melts really well. Sure. People get turned off by the flavor, but I think it's been so long since I've had dairy that, like, I right. don't really you know. Don't like, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of out of my memory bank. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do like to make pizza at home a lot. My husband is, uh, we when we met, he was working at a pizza place in our college town. Cool. So, He's actually so good at making pizza. Nice. And I, he gets annoyed go. because I ask him to do it a lot. Because yeah. he like knows how to get the crust right. If like you're oh. working with dough and you don't know you how to do the right it. right man. <laughs> I just seriously, I got lucky. Yeah. Um, if you like don't know how to work that dough, your pizza just comes out crap. And sure. I'm always like, so uh, I really want some pizza. Are you like down to yeah. <laughs> make some for us tonight? Have you tried that nut cheese? It's expensive as hell from Whole Foods. It's like aged Nut. Aged? Yeah, it's like aged cashew cheese or some shit. I've definitely had almond? a lot of cashew cheese, and yeah. I've made my own cashew cheese before. Um, but I haven't had anything aged, and that sounds incredible. It's like $8 or something ridiculous it for a packet. It usually is. Yeah. But I find that, that I was vegan for two years um, after working on the farm. <laughs> you know, uh, butchering uh, sheep and pigs was intense. Ooh, yeah. uh, so I took a little break and <laughs> went all out. But yeah. um, I, I made a lot of pizza with dairy-free cheese, and that, that one was good, too. But definitely try the pineapple jalapeno. It's Dude, definitely so my down. drunk, uh, you know, food of choice. It's delicious. Uh, oof, so good. And so convenient. That's the thing. My, my girl at Domino's got me, you know? <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm going to hit um, one last segment for us. Cool. 
Um, and then we'll just have to try to attempt to finish this entire right? magnum. We got this. We're literally <laughs> We're not, not even halfway. halfway. No, not even. We'll share some. It's what it's all about. I know. It's great. And this has been good because we've been able to like consistently be drinking while we're talking and not totally. just be like slurring. Sloshed. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like sometimes I've been recording. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, nice. So this next one I have is called Tales from Behind the Bar. Oh, shit. And this is where you tell... Uh, funny story, nightmare story, memorable story of um, being a bartender, working behind the bar, because oh as we know, uh, working with drunk people is a pretty much nightmare. And this, really is, is. this is why you tip your bartenders well, because the shit we have to deal Always. with is a lot. So any memorable um, stories or experiences you've had? There's literally so many that come to my mind. It's ridiculous. Um but one in particular, <laughs> okay. Uh, I was working, it was either, I think it was Bacon and Beer Fest, which the worst festival. It sounds really bro In the world. Yeah, I mean, it's at fucking CenturyLink <laughs> or Safe, I mean, it's not Safeway, Safeco, Safeway Field Safeway. anymore. <laughs> Safeco Field, my V. I guess it's 4.7% farmhouse is working. It's 3.8. Um, whatever <laughs> anyways it's now called t-mobile stadium right. i think it was there okay um it was terrible i mean any beer fest that's in a giant ass stadium mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know questionable quality <laughs> um yeah there was hundreds of breweries there i was pouring for ecliptic and it was you know it was fun but you do two sessions so it was an all-day event it was four hour sessions each but the later session, that's where the shit hit the fucking fan. Dude, I bet. That sounds like a that's, nightmare. It's like all the people that pre-gamed before coming, and then they come, and they don't even care what they're drinking. They're just like, give me your highest ABV. I'm uh, here to get fucked up. That's my least favorite experience. When someone's like, give me the, what's the, what's the strongest one you have? I'm yeah. like, I don't want to serve you. I know, exactly. Like, even if you're not drunk, I don't want to serve you right now. 100%. And I, I mean, this is the point where you have to start drinking, like oh, casually oh yeah. otherwise you will lose go your insane. Board. yeah yeah so this guy um an older man comes up and i have i always have like a little dump bucket full of people's nasty beers and i would spray the spray everyone's glass yeah, yeah. i eventually stopped because no one gave a shit right, but like at that point, when yeah. people are somewhat sober and they're trying a bunch of beers like you don't want to put your you know kettle sour into a barrel aged stout glass like yeah, that bad. sounds terrible and then um, it's also a bad representation of the beer you're 100 you know they're gonna be like that was a nasty ass sour you're like well yeah it had hints of fucking chocolate in it gross um but this guy came up and you know pulled the whole like give me our heaviest ipa or dark thing whatever um and dunked his glass, his <gasps> tasting glass, into... <laughs> he dunked the whole thing into the Dump spit bucket, essentially. Like, it had old beer, probably old spit. Lord knows what else in there. He dunked it. I don't know why. He was that fucked up, probably. Oh, my God. And then he gives me the glass, and I'm like, sir, like, <laughs> I have, I'm not going to pour no, a beer in there, and no. you should wash your hands and wash the glass. And he's like... I went to Afghanistan. Oh, God. Yeah. And was like, I drank water there that you could only imagine. Some shit like that. You're like, so cool, but I'm still not going to pour it in here. That's a cool story, my man. Um, (laughs) Sorry I had to go through that, but I'm not going to put my fucking beer in there. 
and you're hammered. Yes, like, that's you the are, other thing. Yes. You are gone, my friend. So he ended up leaving and then he came back for a round two. Oh, no. And I was like, buddy, did the same thing. Fucking dunked it. What? Again. What? Why I is he doing this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Um, but he definitely, um, you know, at that point, I'm like, I'm so sorry. You're hammed. I can't yeah. serve you. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Yeah. And I think later he got escorted out. It was a shit show. That was the same beer fest that some poor girl, like literally like an aunt, like the EMT came into <gasps> the bathroom, had to get her on a stretcher. I think she shit her pants. I <laughs> just like know. just from like being so drunk, they had to yeah. escort. Oh god! I mean, some of these beer fests that are aren't so about the independent craft mm-hmm. beer. I mean, there was there was AB people there. There's yeah. not that that means anything necessarily. It was just like it, it you're was setting the tone of the type of people who are going. Yeah, it was a kind of a bro fest. Yeah. where people go to get drunk because there's it's endless amount of tastings, and it's it's minimal food. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. It was just huge. And too much, and I would never do it again. No, that sounds like that was a crazy story, and there's been many, many more, mostly involving a bunch of dudes getting drunk. If I didn't have my like ladies in beer, I would die. It, I would die. It's really overwhelming and exhausting. (laughs) It is (laughs) the shit we deal with as women in beer, you guys. I. That's a whole nother podcast, I'm (laughs) sure, but hot damn. It's a lot. And I feel like I hear the worst stories from beer festivals, like the, these big ones where you just pay your 50 bucks to get in and then you just fucking get fucked up on five ounce pours. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. And also don't highly recommend going to events like that because yeah. there's so many other cool beer fests yeah. that are, you know, around anyone's neck of the woods that are more focused on the beer, about the craft um, you can meet the brewer or the owner, yes. and those are the ones to seek out. I know, like, Hop Culture does a lot um, yeah. around the U.S. that are just that, yeah. and those are the ones you should go to. Right. Um, they support the people directly. You're meeting the people that, you know, have this beautiful art of a beer, and it's a lot more intimate and less about, like, getting fucked up and more about holy shit, this beer's amazing, and I get to meet the people. Right, because, I mean, you can get fucked up at any bar you want to go to. Right. So, like, just do that. <laughs> but, and, like, I feel lucky to, if, if you live in a city that's, like, Seattle, like, a larger city that has a lot of cool beer bars or whatnot, you know, places like the Masonry put mm-hmm. on really fun events. Like, their Oktoberfest was with uh, Tired Hands, and, like, I got to meet... A, few of the people from tired hands you know like when gene was here (laughs) when else would i be able to you know get to do that outside of my scene really so yeah there's just so so many better ways you can do that and i mean even drinking at a brewery can lead to those really intimate and like educational moments because a lot of times like the brewers are having their shift beer out in the tap room or whatever and like that's when you really make connections with people it's not century link or whatever yeah no it's not <laughs> and and those kind of big fests are put on by n- event planners you know exactly and, um you know people like matt storm from the masonry that put on these very intimate very well done events with amazing breweries from all the country that's a direct line of his connections and relationships mm-hmm. that he's built through the years yep it's so cool yeah 
he's amazing. We could do another podcast just on Matt Storm. I know. We should have him on sometime <laughs> if he'd be down. He would totally be down. He's all about it. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, the masonry's always been cool with me coming in and doing my shit here, so. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, cool. Well, you have any other last thoughts on this beer or any other crazy stories crazy from behind stories. the bar? I mean, we might need a heavier I know, right? ABV beer for all the crazy shit. I cannot believe how heavy this bottle is. It's I'm like, very, yeah. I like, can't even pour this right. You really are like, how long has it been since I've been to the gym <laughs> when you pick up a Magnum with one hand? It really tests your strength. Um, no, I mean, I appreciate you having me on the podcast today. This beer is delis- delicious and the masonry is an awesome place to hang. I just... Um, I love the craft beer industry. There's a lot of great things about it. There's a lot that needs to change in it too. Um, But I feel lucky to be a part of an amazing community with an amazing craft and all the genuine people I've met in it um, have definitely outweighed the negative experiences. I completely agree. um, I just promote, this is like totally my own agenda and spiel, but I promote women to be in the beer industry more and more I mean, the amount of girls not even hire or uh, applying for right. these beer jobs, th- there's no one. So it's hard to to let that sit, being a girl that wanted to be in the beer industry so bad right. and working my ass off to do it and then not seeing it as much has been a little bit disheartening. But I would just promote anyone that wanting to get into beer to talk to people, go to events, um, totally. go to breweries, network and see what can happen because it's a really beautiful world of beer and people and it's great. Yeah. I love that. And I think too, that, you know, it it definitely can feel intimidating, especially if you don't feel super confident in your beer knowledge, or you just know that you love beer, but you're not quite sure why, you know, I, I think that we here in Seattle, you know, Seattle can be kind of a, a hard city to break into. I know when I first moved here, I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. So it was a, like a hard learning curve in terms of making friends here. But the reason why I've been able to make so many great friends is because I started just like serving in like beer centric restaurants, you know, like, right. and I really, that's where my community came from was being able to hang out and get to know these people who are a part of an industry that really care about craft. And um, I don't know, you know, like tastes and having a good time. So yeah, def- I'm on the same page, like encourage people to come out to events, like even if it's not even like a, a ticketed thing or whatever. But like mm-hmm. when you see that your local bar is having, you know, a, a top takeover or, you know, whatever with fun breweries, you know, go out and, you know, I'm it's very hard for me to make friends. I can be a very antisocial person, but you know, that's why alcohol helps. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you do great. <laughs> and uh you know, you really do find uh, your like community of people. And I think that in my experience, the women who work in the Seattle beer industry Mm -hmm. are really fucking cool. Like I've never felt like I had to prove myself. I've never felt like I had to, I don't know, be a certain way to be accepted by the people here. I think like it is always felt really welcoming. So I can't speak for everyone's experience or people's experience outside of Seattle, but I, I find like I've, I think I'm really lucky to be a part of this here. And yeah, I'm totally agree with you that if this is something you want to do, like really try to do it. And yeah. I think that there are like a lot of opportunities. And I do think that 
especially out here on the West Coast or in communities that are really like accepting of uh, diverse people. Like people want to see women working in beer. People want to see people of color working in beer. People want to see queer people working in beer, you know? Holla. So, <laughs> so I think that, you know, I think that if we keep pushing for this, it's just only going to get better in the beer industry. So yeah, I'm glad you touched base on that because like any male dominated industry, um, it's really important to just, you know, keep recruiting different kinds of people and diversify it because that's what's going to make any kind of community better. Absolutely. Um, I found that, you know, I've had a few as like a queer woman in the beer industry. I've had a couple um, queer idols um, of other people in the industry, but they're a little bit older than I am. And the shit that they've been through is honestly insane. I can't and imagine. And have paved the way for, yes. I mean, a lot of LGBTQ humans in general, but in the beer industry, it's, it's crazy. Um, no, I think that like, and that's the other thing too, is like, if we can make this industry more accessible for women, we're going to make it more accessible for other people totally. that don't fit in necessarily. And I think it's really easy. And like, and here's another thing. I don't want to get like all fucking gender political with yeah. people, but like, <laughs> well, you know, let's do it. <laughs> I think that when you're a white male, you, it's really easy to just like be stuck in your space because you're very used to it. And you mm -hmm. do have to go out of that. I mean, like even as a white person myself, like I have to go outside of that and think my experience isn't everyone else's experience. So it could be really easy to be like, Oh, Hey dude, we're hiring at the brewery. You're my bro. You like beer. Like, come on, like right. I'll get you the job, which is great. Like we all love working with our friends and people that we know, but at the same time, like going out of your way to create space for people who you don't see in this industry very often, I think is super important. And I think if everyone could be mindful of that and like Absolutely. even just make little gestures or like little efforts, I think if everyone started doing that, it would make it a lot more inclusive. And I think that, not to say that the beer industry isn't inclusive, but it could be a lot better than it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would totally agree with you. It is inclusive, but it's extremely exclusive as well. Yes. 100%. But I mean, like, we're here and we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still here. It's like, if, if it was a terrible industry to be in, we wouldn't still be in it. No. <laughs> it's a great industry. Just like anything good, there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. Um. I've learned a lot from a lot of the other women in the beer industry in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are in sales or, or brewers and those worlds are kind of divided, but also, um, you know, connected. And if there's ever a women in beer event in around your area or, um, you know, something promoting women in beer, attend it, mm -hmm. meet those people, encourage yeah. them and like support it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing a beer with me and sitting down and chatting Thanks with me. Thanks for having me. It was so much <laughs> so fun. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's cheers. And then we're going to stop recording and finish this magnum. Cool. Cheers. cheers.